You know, Jesus would find himself in trouble sometimes. Did you know that? Jesus would find himself in trouble. <laughs> and most often he'd find himself in trouble with the religious people because he was spending too much time with the people that they considered not religious. Are y'all with me this morning? <laughs> Jesus would get in trouble with the religious people for spending too much time outside of the, the norms of their religious practices. He'd get criticized. And one of those times when Jesus was facing criticism for spending too much time uh, with the people who weren't religious, he answered them with three stories, back to back to back. The first one he said, uh, imagine a shepherd, a shepherd that has 100 sheep, and one of those sheep gets lost. And Jesus says, doesn't the shepherd leave the 99 to go find the one to which everyone would have wondered, what kind of shepherd does that? Second story was the story of a woman who had 10 coins. She lost one coin. Jesus says, doesn't she sweep the house, <laughs> stay up into the night, all through the night searching for this one coin, and then when she finds it, she goes and knocks on the doors of her neighbor's house and has a, a party for the coin that was found. And people would have wondered, what kind of woman does that? And then the third story, he says, is a story of a father whose son comes to him, the younger son, and says, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance. An inheritance is something that you get when your dad dies. Essentially, he was saying to his dad, you're dead to me. And the dad gives him his share of the inheritance, and the young son goes and squanders the whole thing in wasteful living, we are told, in just a short period of time. He finds himself working in a pigsty, and he begins to have this conversation with himself. He says, self, wouldn't it be better if you could go back and get a job as a servant in your father's house? And so he concocts this plan to go back and beg his father to let him be a servant. And so the son returns home, and when he approaches his father's farm, his dad sees him. It's like his dad was looking for him. And the dad runs, and he throws his arms in an embrace around his son. And the father kisses his face. And the father says, put my best robe on him. And the father says, put my ring on his finger. And the father says, kill the fatted calf. Tonight we're having the biggest party we've ever had because my son who was lost is found. And everybody would have wondered, what kind of father does that? What kind of shepherd leaves 99 to go after one? What kind of shepherd does that? One who won't give up. What kind of woman uh, stays up into the night to look for a coin and when she finds it, throws a party for her neighbors? What kind of woman does that? One who won't give up. Uh, what, kind of, what kind of dad, after he's given his son his very best and he knows he's going to squander it, and he does, when he sees him the next time, embraces him and kisses his pigsty face and puts his best robe on him and his ring on his finger, what kind of dad does that? One who won't give up. And so I think that's what Jesus was getting to, and they were saying, what's your deal, man? They were coming to Jesus like, we don't understand. Why are you spending so much time with these people on the outside? Why are you eating with them? Why are you drinking with them? Why are you talking with them? Why do you spend so much time with sinners and tax collectors? They're like, what kind of God do you represent? I think Jesus was trying to say, one who won't give up on anybody. When I was 17 years old, I stopped going to church, so. 17-year-olds don't get any ideas, but I stopped going. It wasn't that it didn't appeal to me. It's just uh, there were some other things that appealed more, and I just sort of eased out, right? I was just sort of wandering around. 
And one day I found myself uh, surprisingly pulling into my church parking lot, but it wasn't a Sunday morning. It was just a, a weekday afternoon. And I, I, I grew up in this church, so I knew how to get into the church even if it was locked, which is called breaking and entering. And I went into the church library. It just had this little room that was a library of books. And I pulled this book off the shelf. It caught my attention because the title of the book on the spine, it said, Peace with God. And that was something I didn't have. Not just with God, I just, just I didn't have peace. That's always sort of been my, my deal. So the, the title caught my attention, Peace with God. It was written by Billy Graham. And so uh, this is actually the book. So it's stolen from my church, <laughs> which I've realized saying out loud is awkward, but I don't know what to do about it now. It's been like a long time. Um, and so I started reading this book, this book, over and over. And it has a really simple, straightforward message. And it just says this, no matter what, no matter what, God won't give up on you. But when I read it at 17, it was almost like my name, I went back and looked, it's not in there. It was almost like my name was in there. It was almost like it was saying, Jacob Armstrong, no matter what, no matter what, God won't give up on you. And so Jesus began just like calling to my heart. I wanted to be rebellious. This was my time. This was my season. And I just couldn't get out of his grip. <laughs> he just kept speaking to my heart and speaking to my heart and, and drawing me close. I didn't, I didn't have it figured out. In fact, in that same season of life, I was standing outside in a parking lot with some of my buddies out, outside of school. And um, so I was, I was reading this book and thinking about God, but I was still keeping up with my other interests, if that makes sense to you. And so I was standing out there with my buddies, and this one guy was sort of new to our crew. Uh, we, didn't, we hadn't really accepted him yet. He was standing there, and he was looking off into the distance. He had this real strange look on his face, but I thought I recognized it. I, think, I thought he was sad or struggling or, or lost or something. And so I asked him, uh, not even in a nice way, I said, hey, where are you at, man? Where are you at, man? And this was his response. That's why I remember it. He said, I'm somewhere between here and hell. I was like, whoa. And I did something that I'd never done in my life. I pulled him aside, and I started telling him about what God was doing in my life. I didn't even know how to do it. I wondered, like, why am, why am I even doing this? I don't even have this peace with God thing down. But it was just sort of like from one lost boy to another lost boy. I told him that I thought God was calling out to us. and I'm getting to something. Hang with me. Ten years later, I was the pastor of a church. <laughs> That's how it can go. Uh, but this church had no name, no place to meet, and no people. So maybe not the best church yet. <laughs> and in that season, when Rachel and I came to Mount Juliet, people would ask us, and we would ask ourselves, like, why do we need a new church? What are you doing here, you know? Uh, there was lots of really good churches in our community. There still are. There are amazing churches in this community. But we found out, uh, as we tried to think about what is God calling us to, we found out real quick that we felt God was calling us to be a church that would not give up on people. That just, that would, if God has a heart that won't give up on us, then we wanted to be a church that won't give on people. So we just decided to relentlessly pursue God, relentlessly pursue God, and let that lead us to relentlessly pursuing people people who might feel disconnected from God and the church. And that became the vision of our church, which maybe you've heard. The vision of Providence Church is to see those who feel disconnected from God and the church find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. You see, once we begin to know the heart of God, 
we begin to take on the heart of God. Like once you begin to kind of lean in and know the heart of God, like this is really what God is all about, we begin to take on the heart of God. I want to tell you this morning, before we send some of you guys out, I want to tell you about a few verses in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 is sort of a famous chapter in the Bible because of verse 9, and I'll get to verse 9 in just a moment, but I want you to see what's happening before we get there, okay? So uh, Romans chapter 10 is written by a guy named Paul who understood what it was like to be lost but was found, and he starts by saying this, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. So let me say that again. This is Paul talking. He says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. What Paul is saying is that God tracked him down on a street outside of Damascus, put him on his knees and set him on this different course. And now his heart, his life, his thing, his heartbeat is that other people would know it too. But he goes on, I want to dig a little bit deeper in in Romans chapter 10. He goes on to say this. He says, but don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down. He's saying, don't say I'll have to go all the way to heaven to find Jesus. He's going to make a point here, so just kind of hang with me. He says, don't say that. Don't say i got to go all the way up there to get Jesus. And he says, don't say who will descend in the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So he's saying, don't say I'll have to go to the grave to find Jesus either because Jesus died and went to the grave. But what does it say? Paul, Paul asked that question himself. But what does it say? It says the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. What Paul's doing here is actually quoting an old scripture. That's what he means by what does it say? What does the word say? What does God's word say? He's quoting an old scripture in Deuteronomy to say that for a long time God has told them the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. What is this saying? I know you guys are like, whoa, because <laughs> it's kind of confusing. You know, what, is, what, is, what are we saying here? I think they're saying is you can't run from God and you can't run to find God. What I mean is don't get this mixed up. Don't think I climbed the highest mountain to get to Jesus. No, Jesus is like the shepherd. Jesus has come to us. So Paul is saying, make sure you get this. You don't go up and get God, and you don't go into the grave to pull him out. Jesus came to earth on his own volition, and he walked out of the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by something you did or something I'm going to do. He's saying, don't get it mixed up. Don't think I got to go all the way there or all the way there. What he's saying, the word is near you. It's already near you. And that leads to the most famous verse in Romans chapter, nine, which, uh, Romans chapter 10, which is verse 9, that says this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Somebody here needs to hear this. So hear it just for a moment. Open up your heart and mind to hear what this says. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When we started our Thursday night service, which was just earlier in the year, some of you heard us talk about, we said there are folks who don't, uh, can't come to church on Sunday mornings or for whom it's hard, and so we started this weeknight service. It's been really awesome, really crazy, really amazing. But three weeks in, I was uh, out here in the lobby before the service, like 30, 40 minutes before the service, and there was this couple sitting at the tables out there. Uh, their, name, uh, their names are Memo and Katie. And Memo and Katie, I knew them because they own a restaurant here in town. It's like this is kind of our vision coming to life. Somebody who's never been able to come on a Sunday morning because they're preparing for you guys right now for lunch, okay? And the, the name of the restaurant is El Rey Azteca. Um, and they have these great lunch specials on Sundays. Uh, you might want to check it out. So they were, they're sitting out there, and I walk up to them, 
they're here super early. I'm like, what's going on, guys? And, and they've come three times. We were studying another letter of Paul's, and they said, um, we have realized that God has not given up on us. Isn't that cool? I was like, he hasn't? And what I felt led to share with him was just Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And I said, you know, if you, if you believe that in your heart and you say that with your mouth, you'll be saved. And we had these conversations and conversations that led to their baptism. They were our first baptisms on Thursday night. Because God won't give up on them. A couple of months ago, I was sitting at Starbucks with a guy named Matt. And Matt's a guy I've known for a while. He's a great guy, great dad. Uh, he was a college football player. He's really a uh, tough dude. And we're sitting at Starbucks. I don't know what he wants to talk about. And basically he says to me, he's like, I realize God will not give up on me. And so uh, some of y'all are here for Matt's baptism back at the beginning of the summer. This next guy is Keith Lee, and Keith, this was in July, we, we met, and Keith told me he hadn't grown up in church, and, um, but that he'd come here with his brother and sister-in-law, and he, he encountered something, he felt something, and we began to talk, and it was so amazing to see him baptized in front of his wife and uh, his little baby girl. <laughs> this next one is Amani. She's 14 years old, and she sits on the front row at the 8 o'clock service, every Sunday by herself. Courage, faith. Imani realizing in her own life that God will not give up on her. And this last one's a guy named Jacob. Jacob talked to me earlier this year, uh, and uh, he sent me a text and said he was 17 years old. That caught my attention. And he said, oh, this upcoming weekend is my 18th birthday. He said, I want to get baptized for on my 18th birthday, I want to give my life to God. Each of these have an inward story that led them to this point, but this is a very outward expression, isn't it? We had a baptism at the last service, a, a lady named Kelsey, and it's like, it's messy, there's water, you stand up, you look different. Baptism is this way of showing it's not just in my heart, but it's out of my mouth and all over my life. And I have to warn you, if you begin believing this in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth and into your life. With Jesus, the inward always turns outward. Always. You're like, that's in my heart. Okay, that's great. It's going to come out of your mouth and into your life. I was 17. I'm like, why am I talking about this private experience I'm having with God? That's just what happens. Always. Jesus, when he announced his ministry, he said, I have come to bring good news to the poor, sight to the blind, to free the captives, and to release the oppressed. Jesus had been in the wilderness having this magnificent experience with the Holy Spirit of God. But when he came to publicly announce it, he was saying, you got to understand, this is going to touch everybody. It's going out. With Jesus, the personal always turns communal. Like I said, I was wanting to read books by myself, you know, I'm an introvert. I was like, I love this. I'm breaking into the church library. Nobody's here. I can experience God. And then I realized it can only last so long. God doesn't allow you to get it all figured out before you join with other people. He doesn't allow you to get it all figured out. Me and Jesus will only get you so far. Really soon, it'll be about a community of people and then in the community. With Jesus, receiving always turns to giving. But Jesus receiving always turns to giving, always. The moment you receive is the moment you'll start giving. And you'll be like, what am I doing? 
I've had so many people through the years in this Worship Without Walls Sunday say, I've never done anything like with my hands or my feet to serve Jesus. And it's like, that's just how it goes. You don't get it all figured out first. With Jesus, experiencing salvation always turns to offering salvation. Being saved, getting saved always turns to offering salvation. God has a way of getting the message to others, and the way is you I'm sorry, right? I'm, we're like, us? It's like, yes, God has a way of getting the message to others, and it's you. Last year was our 10-year anniversary. We had a big celebration this weekend, which means uh, this year, big buildup. This is our 11-year anniversary. It just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Uh, but this is it. This is it. This is the moment. This is the moment we're celebrating our 11-year anniversary. And I told you on that Sunday a year ago that God had given us and a bunch of churches in our area this vision for the next 10 years in our community. And you've heard me talk about this. And I just want to go over it again before we send you out. It's to see everyone fed everyone free, everyone safe, and everyone ready. What I hope you didn't miss here, though, is that uh, this doesn't replace our original vision to see those who feel disconnected from God and the church connect with Jesus. This is what comes out of that. And so just sort of a, a one-year update for you. Everyone fed. You guys have brought in, just in the year since we brought this up, more food than we ever dreamed. Just in like what you did this morning, in the monthly donations, you've brought in 30,000 pounds of food. It's really crazy. You have funded and kept funded a fund in every Wilson County and Lebanon City school that makes sure no child will go through the line and not get a hot lunch. Let me, let me put that to you a little bit differently. There is no kid in our county who if they don't have the money will not get lunch when they go through the line because of a fund that has been set up. You funded these buses. Did you see them out front? They're super cool. Two for Lebanon City Schools and these two for Wilson County Schools. You guys gave $70,000 to this vision, right, that we did not see, and now you can, like, see it and, and go in it. These buses will take meals into our communities on the off-school times. They're tutoring buses, but they're also feeding buses. You are a part of food that goes home every weekend with kids in our community who are on the free lunch and breakfast program in our schools. On Sunday mornings in Providence Kids, our kids pack backpacks that go home with kids on the weekends. Nobody knows, it's anonymous, but the guidance counselor hooks them up on their way out on Friday with food for them and their siblings in their backpack. We have been a part with the other churches in our community to see that established in every elementary and middle school in our community. It's amazing. <laughs> I just wanted to share that with you, and I also wanted to share with you that we are nowhere near making a dent in the hunger problem in our community. I wanted you to know that. And so I wanted to ask you today, who wants to give up? Who wants to give up? We have a God that won't give up, and so we won't either. We want to see everyone free. What does that mean? We learned that the drug problem in Wilson County is real and deadly, young and old. One of the first things we did coming out of our 10-year anniversary was a, a group called Parents of Addicted Loved Ones began meeting on Tuesday nights, which is led by some parents in our church whose son went through the pit of addiction and is now in recovery. And so parents and aunts and uncles and grandparents, anybody who's connected to somebody who's going through addiction can come and meet every Tuesday night in an anonymous place. Uh, we hosted the first public gathering of drug-free Wilco in Mount Juliet, which is this group of healthcare professionals, city and county officials, elected officials, recovery experts saying that this is not a community that will just live, shop, and play in, that people are dying and we care and we want to see what we can do. So it's a big thing like that, but we also celebrate in our last service, we had a guy named Steve who told me he's five years sober. And so we celebrate five years sober, right? One day at a time. 
We celebrate. Uh, one of my friends who goes to church here caught me in the lobby recently, and, and she had her 17-year chip. Her name's Lori. And, and we have this thing now. We're going to pray over those chips, right? We're going to pray over them and give thanks one day at a time. But we have so far to go. I want you to know that. Three weeks ago in our community, three young adults in our community died from a bad batch of drugs that's, that was dealt here, an opioid thing. A few months before that, seven young adults in our community died from this bad batch of drugs. And Pastor Mike Rutland, who pastors the church in Lebanon, he called me in the night when those three, these three young adults, they were members of his church. Can you imagine? And he said, Pastor Jacob, what are we going to do? And so we wept and we talked and we, I just want you to know that there's a long way to go, Okay. I also want you to know that we bound together with some other churches and, and you along with the, some other churches, we helped pay for the funerals of those three young adults. I knew that you would want us to support them so they could have a, a dignified and, and holy service and they did. Who wants to give up? Well, we have a God that won't give up, so we're not either. We wanna see everyone safe. We wanna see children safe from child abuse, families safe from domestic violence. We want teenagers, if you're in the room, teenagers to know there's no reason that you should take your own life or doubt your sacred worth. This is something we're talking to teens about every week. We want you to know that you can be safe here. And so we're working with foster care organizations to meet their most critical needs. That's one of the projects happening today. I want you to know we've spent $20,350 on counseling service for families in our community to keep them spiritually and emotionally and physically safe. We have another fund where we've spent $18,388 this year just to help people stay in their house, okay, just to be safe, just to keep the light bill on. You guys gave $44,000 to Brooks House, which is the place in our community where women and children are held safe. We're working to support our police and fire department. We have so far to go, but we won't give up because our God won't give up. And this last one, maybe my favorite to see everyone ready because it, it connects them all together, is a dream that our churches have in this community that we would see every young person by the time they turned 18 ready for God's dream for their life. There's so many obstacles, things in the way, and we want to be a part of a group of people that are pulling back those obstacles so every child, when they turn 18, could be ready for whatever it is that God has for them. This starts in the schools. You know, here at our church, we get our kids maybe two or three hours a week. Our schools have them five-plus days. And so we have this dream to see public schools and churches working together for our children. Some people worry how that might conflict, you know, with, with laws or whatever. I just want to tell you, we aren't breaking any laws. We're trying to feed hungry kids. We're trying to help them read better. We're trying to be in that place when a kid's family is falling apart and the guidance counselor tells us that we can come in and meet the need and be there and be present with them. And so we have this dream for every school in our community having a church partnership that someone they can call upon. You'll be hearing a lot more about that this year. I had uh, businesses now that are contacting me. The president of the Chamber of Commerce called me this week and he said, Jacob, we are ready to align with you guys. The business leaders in this community believe in this everyone dream, and we want to join you in this. What does all this have to do with salvation, you might be asking? Well, salvation starts in our hearts, and the next thing you know, it's coming out of our mouths, and we're doing something about it, and we're doing something for other people, because the one we follow is not just a savior. He's our king, and so we follow in his footsteps, and he said, the reason I came was to bring good news to the poor, and to set free the prisoner, and to give sight to the blind, 
And so we can't come in and just say he's our savior and not claim him as our king and say, I'm going to follow in his footsteps. And I get it, man, that if we're saying this stuff, I preached this on Thursday night and I cried my eyes out and I spent a lot of time in prayer this weekend. You know why? Because I felt God saying to me, I'm going to hold you accountable to all those words, Jacob. You don't get, just get to spout them all off and say, hey, man, that's great. We had a good year. But this is something <laughs> that I think God believes in and that we can believe in with God. And so there is a weight to it. There is a burden to knowing that our community is in need, but we don't have to go up and bring Jesus down. And we are not going into the grave to dig up a dead body. The power of the Holy Spirit led our Jesus out. And so the word is near, it's in our mouths and in our hearts. So I wanna ask you guys you know, this question, who knows? Maybe we've come to this position for just this time. So as you go out of here today, go out with joy. Go out with power. Go out believing that Jesus is your king, our king, and he will get us where he's taking us. What I'm saying is as you go to your project, you are living out your salvation. You are living out your savedness. And so we're gonna take just a moment to sing this song. Just stay seated, just to you know, hear the song, these powerful old words, and claim that we believe that God's kingdom could come on earth as it is in heaven. Lead on, O King eternal, till sin's fierce war shall cease, and holiness shall Deeds of love and mercy.
Let's pray, lead on, O God of might. Lead us from this place, lead us in our lives. Help us to hear that you have not given up on us. Help the one here today, I have not given up on you. Help us to hear it, let it be in our hearts, and then let it be in our mouths. Let us believe in this Jesus, and let us proclaim him as Lord. We receive bread as a sign of his broken body, a cup of juice, his blood shed on the cross for us and for many. So help us receive today, and then let us be the body and blood of Christ for the world. In Jesus' name, amen.